Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your coach for life. Doing what we can on this program to give you a leg up and uh, give you some tools. Hey, incredibly good news today. Uh, we, we were checking our mail. Mail. Uh, got a birthday card. You got a birthday from card. It was pretty great. the people upstairs at yes, BYU Broadcasting. The administrators. The, the big bosses. dogs, we call them. The jefes. The chief. Got a birthday card. And, little point, uh, my birthday is in May. <laughs> Not January. Which means... We hadn't checked our mailbox since May. Merritt found it. I found the mailbox. I didn't know it existed. But... Did they not tell you when you assumed the position and the new role as the senior executive director to the president when you got that new calling in life? Did they not say, hey, there's a mailbox. You might want to check it. No, they did not. I, they did say that if anything comes in for the Mount Townsend show, they yeah. email me. They'll let I you know. that. Okay. So, so, to my credit, usually I go down to the front desk to get packages, yeah. but apparently some. Well, I just want to thank everybody that gave me a card seven months ago. <laughs> everybody that signed it. I had never officially recognized that I had received the card, and today I want to thank everyone for their consideration seven months ago. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. And uh, there was no gift card. <laughs> in the card. So um, I, it must have fallen out or something. Must have. Anyway. Maybe uh, gift cards decay after seven months. <laughs> they just like yeah, maybe they evaporate. <laughs> there was a lot of dust in there. I thought it was one of those glitter cards that all the glitter comes out. It was just a bunch of dust. So it was probably just a gift card right. that had decayed. That sounds sad. Hey, um, here's the deal. I'm, I've got a little cough thing going. Ooh. It's not, actually, it's not a cough. It's just a sore throat thing. And it seems to get worse when I mouth breathe and snore all night. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Which two things didn't know I, I did either of those, <laughs> but because uh, I went to bed feeling pretty good, but I woke up today and I have a, like a sore throat thing going on. But the the birthday card helped because I oh, it, good. it was yeah. like a pick me up. <laughs> It was. Um, it made me feel very good, very positive, very healthy emotions. Today on the show, we're talking about mindful parenting. And one of the things that makes parenting very difficult are emotions. We have a child. I won't name names. Uh, he's fairly stubborn, like his mother. Ah. Actually, no. She's not <laughs> the stubborn one. So he, but today, he, we clipped his toenails. And he wouldn't have it. Now, by the okay. way, let me make a point. He's 18. And I'm like, get over here, you. We're clipping your toenails. And he wouldn't have it. And he got, he got, he's really eight. He's nine. Ah, uh, okay. But Definitely he got, he got pretty intense. But his toenails were so bad that they reminded me of a homeless man's toes because they were like starting to curl over and Ooh, starting okay. to incapacitate his ability yeah. to walk. Well, those are good for climbing trees. Yeah, which, he, which would be wonderful if he were a uh, a flying squirrel. Or if it weren't 20 degrees outside Yeah, you lived in civilized. Well, the big problem was he was dragging one leg. <laughs> that is a and when you drag a leg, <laughs> it's probably time we got to clip the nails because if you can't walk normal, then we got to start clipping. Yeah, either he has scurvy or there's something <laughs> wrong with his nails. Yeah, we check scurvy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the old pirate jokes. Um, 
The funny thing about it, though, is his little emotion pretty much messed up everyone's morning. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It was contagious. Definitely. Boom. He had curled toes. We we demanded, hey, it's time. Get the sander out. We're taking those nails off. Uh, Like the Dumb and Dumber show. And then we sanded them off. And he got mad, and then that made the missus mad, and then the missus, and then we, everyone was mad. But he can walk straight. Contagious. Emotion. Have you guys noticed? It's, it happens. It's contagious. Absolutely. Have you ever been mad and gotten mad because someone else was mad, and you don't even know why you're mad? Oh, But you're definitely. just mad because they're mad. I know. I think this happens a lot living the college life with roommates, when oh, roommates yeah. will just, like, walk in. And walk past you, yeah. and all of a sudden you're angry. Oh, you're like, go. I don't even know don't what Don't walk I'm by me now. without saying hi. Exactly. I don't know what it is. It's a so, roommate thing. Or is it a human It's a human I think thing. it's a human thing. It is that you just kind of, I call it what you want, vibes. Uh, I mean, energy. Energy. There's God. science to back it up, though. Is there? There's yeah. real science There's saying. real science. Your emotion makes my emotion. Science. And we can, yeah. Yeah. And um, one way th- is through smell. So you, people will. Ooh. Like you can smell. Yeah, you can smell well, other people's emotions. And okay. most people, this is kind of yeah. – everyone just assumed that humans don't have the super great smelling powers because they don't yeah. have like the no, nose the size a of dog. a dog. Yeah. You know, it's not – And you're like – you don't hear a lot of people like – No. You don't hear people sniffing a lot but like that. But kind of subconsciously things that we don't think about, we do – Like you can smell, smell fear. Emotions. You can – yeah. You can smell exactly. it. Exactly. And there was a study done uh, – Utrecht University in the Netherlands. I hope mm. I'm saying that right. You're not, but Dude. you know what? Who you knows? know what? Maybe you are. Maybe yeah. you are. Um, anyway, what they did was – now bear with me. Apparently we're, we talked about toenails, so okay, we're so going to talk about sweat next. Right. Oh, sweat. Oh, jeez. They had a group of men watch a variety of different movies. One was a horror and one was a movie that featured a lot of disgusting kind of stuff. Okay. Like just gross Yeah, stuff. like toenails. Yeah, and they – after they did this, they collected some sweat. From these guys. Hold, 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 hold it. Who collected sweat? You know what? That is all it says. Okay. Teaching assistant. T.A. That is the worst <laughs> the T.A. job. Intern. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, we need more sweat for number two, please. <laughs> well, and just the yeah. fact that like they'd be sweating enough to collect it, too. Like yeah, some exactly. guys like sweating profusely. It's like, oh, toenails. <laughs> yeah. Are you a sweater? We have to have somebody that sweats a lot. Do you yeah. sweat profusely? Anyway. So they collected it. They collected it. Now, the second half of this mm. study was they put a bunch of women. Okay. And they told these women that they were going to do a visual test on them. So they had some innocuous visual test. Yeah, whatever. Test, it is just a butterfly. But while they did that, they um, released, they ex- exposed the women to the odor of these guys' sweat. So they just like fanned the sweat pad <laughs> in front of the ladies. Yeah. But okay. the women didn't know. But- the women did react. They kept track of... Like, did um, they have, like, gag reflex? Like, go. No. Go. How do you not know oh. that you're being sprayed with sweat? I mean... Well, it said... It well, said you're not that at a it was, They were unknowingly cool exposed <laughs> to the odor. It wasn't the scent. It was just the odor. The odor. The odor. Ooh, interesting. So, yeah, and they kept track of the facial expressions of these women, okay. and they actually reacted to the same... This, the same reaction as the they felt. Men. They 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 so, showed signs of fear if the men had, had watched had fear. a scary movie and if they had showed signs of like disgust, it was the men who that's had watched fascinating. a disgusting movie. They say that's fast because they they do say that men are repelled by tears. Yeah, but like, like women's literally, tears. Like, but it's the smell of like I bet, saline. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. So 
That is fascinating. Yeah. Well, I wonder, um, here's, here's a, a very real example of emotions in action. Some of you may have seen it. I think it was the NFC Championship game between the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. And at the very end, Richard Sherman, I believe he's the safety. By the way, Stanford cornerback, cornerback uh, Stanford graduate, Stanford graduate, smart dude. You got to be smart to go to Stanford, even if you're playing ball or play good ball. You can play great ball, but you still got to like pass the tests, right? <laughs> well, pass, right? Pass. right. What is yeah. passing Being mean? Well, but yeah, C's right. get degrees, C's get degrees, and then you get in the NFL. But watch. So he won the game. Richard Sherman basically won the game because he tipped the pass, and then it was intercepted right. because of his tip. Um, but you can imagine, stressed out of his head, uh, highly, I call it jacked up, energized, hijacked by chemistry and emotion. He had just been in the battle. Uh, this poor, innocent reporter comes up, puts a microphone in front of his face, asks him a question. How, what do you think, and how do you feel about all of this? Here we go. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Wow. Don't you I mean, so if you're his mother, aren't you just like, oh, boy. I'm so proud of Richard. That's my boy. That's my boy. Stanford grad. <laughs> he's, he was messed up. Yeah. And then he's paying. Now he's paying. But he's actually people, his jerseys are selling like crazy now <laughs> hey get the crazy guy the interesting thing about that though was i was home for the weekend and my dad and brother watched that game yeah and they had been enjoying it, it sounded like it was a pretty good one it was incredible i wouldn't know great i think football. i was making cookies so oh, well anyway but they walked out and they had been all excited about the game but they walked out super frustrated because that him? was so dumb at the end yeah. yeah and they had totally caught his emotion is even, it like, so even see that. yeah it's contagious yeah and so the thing is is that people um, catch other people's emotions within milliseconds. And it's not something like you're aware of. Uh-huh. It's not like this person's being really crabby and so I'm kind yeah. of ticked off now. It's you literally mimic other people's emotions. Oh, yeah. And so you see that on your face. It's this primal evolutionary instinct it's horrible. that happens almost immediately. The interesting thing is that there are lots of like different levels to which you can be exposed. So really outgoing and expressive people usually admit so much emotion that they other people will respond to them more. See, now watch though. That's huge. Oh, definitely. If you're, let's say, a really emotional, communicative female, uh huh. You may. This happens in my house all the time. My wife will say she'll be mad because there will be. I don't know. It could have even happened Sunday, hypothetically. Yeah. While we're all watching a football game, um, she'll be frustrated because she's called us to dinner four times, and no one moves. Um, or the house will be a mess or whatever, and she'll say, oh, she'll get mad. And she, my wife never gets mad, but she'll get mad. She'll say, am I the only one that can clean? And she'll clean in this house. And right then, all I need to do is hear that. And I am immediately ticked. Yeah. And I'm like, which one? And I'm, I'm going to start killing a kid. This one, <laughs> this one, I'll kill this one. Clean, you guys. And, I'm, and now all of a sudden I'm mad. And um, she looks at me like, don't kill the kids. Like, well, you started this. Yeah. You started this. But you caught on to her emotion very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is because I think it's because I'm afraid of her. <laughs> <laughs> or she's just a very 
emotionally emitting person. I see it it's all the easier. time with my clients. Yeah. Well, and there's also a flip side to that, though. Some people respond to other people's emotions more sensitively. Ah. And so they'll be watching a person or like talking to a person and they'll just kind of it's usually people who are really good listeners, who are really empathetic. Yes. They'll just kind of take on other see, people's emotions and, and they're really that. subject to other people. I mean, it's not even Mm-mm. their own like willpower or whatever, but yeah. they'll just emotionally fluctuate all of the time. Do you want to go full circle with this? We've had on the show uh, a guest that talked about highly sensitive people, uh-huh. HSP, if you remember yep. that. And highly sensitive people also have higher senses of like smell. Mm-hmm. And they also tend to be more reactive and they react to more quickly to emotions. other people's emotions. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, they're Scary. kind of subject to it a lot. See, so this is why, you know, families that are stressed together stress together. Yeah. It, once once you're kind of all emitting this emotion, it's completely contagious. And it's just by noticing tiny little changes, things that we might not yeah. even be able to tell. But you inhabit that emotion the minute you see it on somebody else. And then you're not even thinking. And all of a sudden you're being run by this tiny little fight or flight brain. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you're mad at each other. No one's talking and you go to bed. <laughs> Definitely. Alone. So kind of just one solution just to think about right now that I was reading about is that if you are one of those people who takes on other people's emotions a yeah. lot, if you notice a change in your mood, just go back and think about it. Was I around somebody who's feeling this way? Yes. Do I really need to be feeling this way or am I just reacting to that person? That's, see, that takes self. Yeah. That, you know, that takes mindfulness. Oh, definitely. Um one other tip is that you can also use this power to your advantage. Hmm. If you are trying to build emotional rapport with somebody or yes. if you're trying to have a positive relationship with them, if you constantly are admitting this emotion of, wow, I really am interested in you or I am happy to be around you. You can get contagious and they think Basically, you're into them. Well, yeah. And you See, just build this kind of emotional rapport and connection. and Right there. James and Mike. Yeah. Don't you think they should be learning this? This could be the dating key. It could, yeah. The See, more if you guys emotion would... you admit, the more the other person will react with the same emotion. Act like you care, and then all of a sudden they will care. <laughs> or, you know, you, or you just need to make them think you care. I mean, if there's some other stimuli, like let's say you take them to an exciting movie or something, that's mm-hmm. really possible they could misattribute where that's coming from and end up liking me. If, uh, right. And, but one thing, Mike, if you're going to take <laughs> them to a movie, don't take them to a stressful movie because then they'll sweat stress. And then you'll smell it in the test, and then you'll be stressed. So romance? I would take them to a wonderfully romantic flick. They, I'm not even going to use the word, but there's a word that they say, those, those flicks that are about romance, it's a, bl- it's a blank flick <laughs> that the ladies like. But we're not going to call them chicks. Take them to the flick, and then make, you'll see all the kissy-wissy. The emotions will kick in, and the next thing you know, you're going to watch these chick flicks the rest of your life. <laughs> I feel like there's a manlier name for movies like that than chick flicks. Well, I'd love to hear it. Rom-com. Yeah, Boom. that's a good point. Rom-com. Rom-com. Romantic yeah. comedy. Yeah. Rom-com. Ah, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I feel a lot more comfortable with like, hey, want to go see a rom-com? <laughs> like this Sunday, Sunday rom-com. Yeah, but see, you still get there, and it's still just romantic comedy. Yeah, that's true. Dang I it. mean, it sounds like Rambo. <laughs> if there was a gun that was going to be fired in the thing, it'd be great. But it's just 
in in real in reality, there's just going to be a lot of conversation, lots of dialogue, a lot of guy chasing after the girl. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know that's a great idea, Mike. There you have it. Just take her to a movie, and a guest capture her sweat. That's what the study was. Is that how it worked? Well, apparently my mail just came in. Um, here's the deal. We are going to take a break. We're coming back. When we come back, we're going to have uh, give you some tools to figure out how to think like Sherlock Holmes. Maybe Sherlock Holmes has got something going that uh, we all could learn from. Then we're going to bring on our expert today. Dr. Kristen Race will be joining us. She's going to teach us how to de-stress your children, de-stress uh, yourself as a parent, de-stress the home using mindfulness. That's the topic, folks. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're, th- we're talking about, you know, instead of just going crazy, getting yourself in trouble, having your mouth just run, having your mouth write a check that your body can't pay for. That's expensive. That That's is very expensive. expensive. Like Richard Sherman. And I, you know what? He really is a great guy. And then when you hear him, he spoke today on, um, I think he had a press conference today. And he really is very eloquent. He's incredible. He just had a bad moment. Yeah. When he's calm, he's great. He's fantastic. And I wouldn't even – I get why he did that. There's a great quote that says, you can't talk your way out of something you behaved your way into. So there's no talking out of this. He can't get out. And the reality is is he doesn't even think he needs to talk his way out of it. Um, But on the show today, it's just too easy in our lives to to live kind of a mindless life. And uh, when it comes to parenting, we can't really afford to do that. So we're going to be talking about mindful parenting throughout the show. And our uh, our very own um, correspondent, my reporting for duty, sir, Mike Pond is joining us. Now, Mike, by the way, has a little weekend gig coming up. Mike is going to be uh, the MC for a cheerleading contest. I am so excited. This is fantastic. It's great. And... Um, there's a problem, though. There is a problem. The girls are 7 to 17 years old. Right. And you are in your early 40s. Almost. Almost there. Uh, yeah. We were, I was all excited for you because I'm thinking, hey, this is where the pondster is going to be able to get out there, put his vibe out there, kind of, you know, mag, you know uh, magnetize everybody and yeah, then eventually attract everyone Not, to not you. so. No. 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 They're seven. Yeah. But you know what? You can cheer for them. Yeah, I, and I do, and I announce them out there, and they go out and they cheer. Have you ever seen that show, uh, Toddlers and Tiaras? Oh, yeah. That, it's kind of what it reminds me you of. You are going to be the right. MC on Toddlers and Tiaras. Right. And then you'll get up there and you'll, you let's get ready to run. And you'll get them all excited and charged up, and then you'll frenzy all these girls. Yeah, all these three feet yeah. little. Yeah. The, you know what's neat? I think it's a career. I, I don't know about that. But I we'll think see. it is. It we'll is, see. and just knowing you, we're trying to come up with a nickname for Mike Pond. Uh, pond scum is one idea, but I, I think, I think we're going to need to do something because I really think you're going to be the seven to 17 year old iconic MC. I think this is your career. I think let's just call you toddlers and tiaras pond. 
Oh my gosh. Maybe. No, I think we should just wait. A nickname will come and it'll just feel right. That doesn't feel yeah, right to me. I know. It's kind of not about you, Mike. Uh, your name's not on the show. So I'll make up the names. That's Let's just call boss. you right now the Tiaranator. The t- All right. It's uh, like the Terminator, but with a Tiara. I guess it's better than no nickname at all, yeah. right? And okay. I don't want to do Pond Scum because that's too easy. But that is a great name. It's and I, rude. I it's like rude because you're not scummy. Well, I well, mean, we'll see you don't really this, know me No, yet. but we'll also see how this thing goes. You might be a scumball. Yeah. We'll see. But right now, you're just the Tiaranator. Oh, goodness. Just it, for now. It won't stick. I'll try to live up to that name, Matt. I am honored. Just so you know, though, uh, I did make up a nickname for Skyboy that stuck for about two years, a year and a half. Was it Skyboy? It was Skyboy. Yeah. I mean, his that's name, He's really not Skyboy. Well. His name is Skylar Hansen. He became Skyboy. Yeah. Even to this day, he still wears the clothes. And I guess, I mean, the Tiaranator, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Because the Tiaranator, you know. It could. Yeah, I wouldn't point guns when you do it because that'll scare the girls. Right. Okay. So just right now, just, hey, the Tiaranator. Make it like Hi. happy and chipper. Hey, Welcome. you've done some research for us on um, Sherlock Holmes. Right. Why? Well, I mean, in uh, kind of Sherlock Holmes, I guess it's kind of a cult. There's a cult following yeah. after that. It's been around for it's like a vampire. 150 years. Mm-hmm. Right. He's a detective yeah. in, in England and during the 1800s, and he's famous for being a, a savant. The way that he solves his mm-hmm. crimes, the way he, he thinks things it's because he, yeah. he thinks in such a weird way, it seems like. Right. Well, and it's really not so weird. It's really just an example of, of intense mindfulness. Presence. Right. Awareness. Yes. B- being, being aware of, of what's going on be- uh, around you. And in the movies, mm-hmm. if, if you've seen them or read the books. No, never. Um, but I did drive by his place while I was in, uh, in London. But I didn't get out because it was cold. Was it raining? It was raining. Yeah. Cold. That's England. Yeah. Well, so he's mindful, right? He'll solve a crime by never leaving the the uh, the room that a murder was committed in, and and another detective will go out and travel all across yeah. the country, and he'll just sit there and sit down and kind of put his hands together yeah. and like rub his temples, pose. right? Yeah. And, and he'll solve a crime. You and, know, it's but you think it's because he's just present. He's not caught up in all of the. Riff raff, and he's not out. He's just present in the space, right? Gathering the information. He, uh, in a few different articles that I read, there's there's four key elements that that this. And of course, I disclaimer: he's not a real person. Yeah. You know, let's but just get that out. He's a great example of yeah. how we can Fiction. train train ourselves to to be aware. What What are the four things? So one of them is to be selective. Um, we've got. About we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We've got all these different things that affect our moods. If somebody else comes in mad, yeah. we become mad. Scientists say that we've got about eleven million bits of information yeah. coming in at it one time, and we're only consciously aware of about forty of them. Forty thousand <laughs> bits, right, or whatever. No, no, forty. Is it 40, 40, forty actual well, objects. That's just yeah. pitiful. So I mean, so select. I mean, you don't don't take all the bait. Start be be selective in the data you're getting. Yeah, we have to be aware of of what's going on around us and and be able to select what we want to focus I on. I like that. And the next one is to be objective. At the same time, we've got all this information coming in at once. Yeah, we we don't want to miss the important pieces of information. Huge. 
which which happens all the time. If you're focusing on a task, let's say you're sitting at your computer writing, you know, and mm-hmm. you may not even be aware that you're cold or that someone right. else behind you is yeah. is talking loudly or whatever. You're you're. We need to be aware of what's going on around us, and those were arbitrary examples, but it could be um, profound, actually. You know, why if someone walks in. And they're mad, and then we become mad. We may misattribute where that came from. Exactly right, and you know? we blame them. But in reality, it was our head, it was our thought, it was our choice. Exactly. See, that's why this would be so big in parenting because it's easy to just think the parents or the kids are ruining your life. But in reality, we all live. Hey, give us one more. So, so the next seconds. one is just being engaged. You want to take on when once you select these objects, you want to take them on and analyze them for all that they're worth. That's and cool. not miss anything. And get present in it. Right. We're gonna, I'm going to have you come back. I want you to come back and teach us more of this because I think, I think you're right. He is mindful. I also think he, it has something to do with the fact that Sherlock Holmes has a hat with two brims. You know what I mean? So, could be, so could he's be. coming and going. Right. Boom, boom, boom. Part of it's style. He's got incredible style. Again, for a fictional character. Um, good job. Uh, the TRNator. Mike Maurice Pond. Thank you. Nailed it again. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Kristen Race, who's going to uh, teach us about the importance of mindfulness in our lives and especially in our role as parents. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about mindful parenting. If you caught us in our last segment, uh, you would have caught the the wonderful Mike Maurice Pond, who is, um, you know, during the week, he's, uh, he's one of our gifted uh, producers. On the weekend, he turns into the tiaranator, um, where he works, if you've ever seen the show, um, Toddlers and Tiaras. One of Mike's life aspirations is to be an MC for all uh, youth um, cheerleading programs, competitions, competitions, activities, activities, toddler tiaras, any contest that involves youth. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a a young daughter or son that's involved, I'll be there. Yeah. I'll I'll be there announcing. Um, In fact, if you want to book him for uh, an appearance... Or to just help him be an MC for any of your youth uh, activities, just check him up. Uh, check him out at toddlersandtiarawhisperer.com. And uh, disclaimer: none of that. Well, no. What? No, maybe like forty percent of that is true. No, just, no, that was the actual toddlersandtiarawhisperer.com, aka Tiaranator. Well, it's too bad. I'd love to go back to you, but we've talked so much just about your career aspirations that we we don't have time to finish. But nonetheless, Sherlock Holmes is a great example of being mindful. And That's I, your point. Yeah, yeah I, the 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 the, the, the um, mystical, not real, fake character of Sherlock Holmes. You're saying is yeah. is a great example. Of a mindful person, right? And we, we talked a little bit about the characteristics, yeah. and 
I just like to say that my, being mindful is hard, and it takes a lot of practice. It just you need to do it a lot, right? And all the more, yeah. re- if you have children, all the more reason because it seems like we'd really rather just escape. Yeah, but the reality is you're not gonna you're not gonna have impact, positive influence with your children if you're constantly escaping. You need to be you're saying more like Sherlock Holmes, or be like, aware, or like the Tiaranator. Yeah, the. You got to be willing to step in and just be mindful with the, the but these toddlers and TRs. I'm only the TRnator on the weekends. You need to do this all the time. Yeah, you're yeah. saying this is a permanent thing, not right. just a weekend. You can't just be a weekend parent. Right. Right. That's great. It's amazing because you don't even have kids, which makes well, this more profound. I have lots of experience through my announcing. Well, that's right, and yeah, being the tiara whisperer. Anyway, we're going to go to the pro now. Um, Dr. Kristen Race is joining us. She, look, you can listen to Mike all you want. He's here Monday through Friday. But really the pro is the author, Dr. Kristen Rice. Um, She's joining us. She is the parent of two young children, expert in child, family, and and school psychology. She's a regular blogger with Psychology Today, and she speaks nationally. Um, She wrote the book called Mindful Parenting, Simple and Powerful Solutions for Raising Creative, Engaged, Happy Kids in Today's Hectic World. She's the founder of Mindful Life, which provides brain-based solutions for today's families, which honestly— our mind is – it's on a roller coaster now. I think we've got a lot of different interferences, uh, different things going on with us that are starting to to maybe impact our brains in ways we're not even sure of. So I'm excited to hear from her. Uh, she also created her own Mindful Life Schools method, which is currently being used in schools worldwide. And she serves on the executive committee for First Impressions, her community's early childhood council, and is a member of the Rocky Mountain Youth Services Coalition. So, Dr. Kristen Race, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. I love the topic of mindfulness. I mean, really, this is what Buddha was teaching, right? This is what Christ, all of these uh, kind of iconic uh, figures in history taught, be present, be mindful. And now you're just saying, let's bring it to parenting. Exactly. Let's bring it to parenting. Let's bring it to our kids in schools. Um, we can do it in a in a brain-based, secular way, and it has profound impacts on the way our brains function. What I loved on your website, and, and they really just need to go check it out, um, mindfullifetoday.com. But on the site, um, you can you can eventually get to your videos. You can even see there's a really great TED Talk that you've done. But you also just some trainings that you've got where you can see that you're teaching brain skills, right? You're you're teaching that there's actual there's tools and processes and activities that people can do to get kids to start focusing and being more present. Exactly. And we can start teaching kids these skills at around the age of three or four. Hmm. And it's amazing how kids are naturally mindful, and that kind of gets sucked out of them. It's getting sucked out of them earlier and earlier these days. Uh, but they really grasp onto the tools and strategies. It's almost like learning a language at that age. Yeah. It becomes a natural routine, and it's a great time for them to learn these types of skills. Well, tell me about how you got in, I mean, to writing the book, and and. I mean, because sure. I do see it with my own kids. In fact, last night, my son and I started reading a book together that's basically about how to 
it's it's very much what you're talking about how to recognize when you're starting to get reactive and it's exactly. powerful and and it's amazing he's eight but he's getting it yeah and it's i have four-year-olds coming home from preschool and telling their parents that their amygdala is firing. I saw that video, <laughs> so and I'm like, get it. He, he knows the word amygdala, and most of the people out there don't even know what their amygdala is. That's right. They don't. They don't. That's powerful. So, so fill us in. Teach us about where mindful parenting came from, and then maybe just start teaching us, you know, what what is it? Because we have a lot of issues today we didn't seem to see before. Student, su- sure. you know, ch- child suicides or, or young adult suicides are, seem to be on the rise. There's a lot of bullying issues, a lot of ADHD diagnoses, a lot of things that mindfulness might solve. Absolutely. So mindful parenting is was a fusion or is a fusion of my research on stress in the brain, which I've been working on about the last 10 years. Ironically, early in these studies, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that was triggered from stress. Mm. So here I was studying the neurology of stress, and I have doctors telling me, you have this disease because you're so stressed out. Interesting. Uh, so that was one piece of it. And then I also have spent quite a, quite a number of years working in schools and with families and have been constantly very concerned about the increasing levels of stress in kids, from kids entering kindergarten to our teens, like you said, where, who are experiencing high rates of suicide, depression, anxiety, lots going on there. And then the third piece that came into the book was really my own experience trying to raise two young kids in a high-stress, hmm. pretty hectic world. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a convergence of your life. And that's what I love about, it's one thing to kind of have the academic view and go study, like, I don't know if you heard earlier, they did studies on stress and people sweat and how it's, we can smell it and we can smell the stress and it makes us stressed. But um, that's pretty theoretical. Then all of a sudden, when you're dealing with your own children and your own, you know, autoimmune disease uh, caused by stress, it makes it so much more real when we bring it into right. our life. It's, it's where the rubber meets the road. That's right. That's right. Do, do you see then, um, I mean, we live in a world that seems like it never ends. And do you believe just in your gut, maybe you have data on it, that the technology and the influx of technology, do you sense that that is starting to cause more stress, more mental disorders? Absolutely. And it really it starts with the parents. Parents today are incredibly stressed. We're inundated 24-7 with information. Our careers demand constant accessibility, and even our kids' after-school calendars require color-coded schedules to manage. And when parents are stressed, the whole family feels it. So in Mindful Parenting, using brain research, I show parents how to recognize the impact of this stress, both on our brains and on our children's brains, and how we can build resilience in really simple ways. Huh. And and it and it works. I mean it's it's this is the tool set of the of the 21st century, right? This is these are the tools we need today. Absolutely. And I had a private practice. I was working with schools doing all kinds of different more traditional therapeutic work and when I started using mindfulness with children, I pretty much threw it out the window and started doing this full time because I found it so effective. Not only in my own life did I see incredible benefits, but for kids, it was the the most effective for all different types of kids, whether they were struggling with behavior and attention, 
it was beneficial for them, and it was equally beneficial for kids who were not having behavioral issues but struggling with anxiety and perfectionism. The benefits just really blew me away. And based in brain science, like, give us a little taste. Like, what what is it? What is it about our brain that you think most of us aren't getting that that might be causing sure. this stress? So basically, I talk about the brain in its most simple form in two parts. The first part of our brain I talk about is the prefrontal cortex, and this is what I call the smart part of our brain. It's up in our forehead. It's the part of our brain that helps us pay attention. It helps us solve problems. It helps us think about the consequences of our behaviors. And then we also have the alarm part of our brain in the back. That's the fight, flight, or freeze part of your brain. Our hectic lives are constantly stimulating the alarm part of the brain, Mm. and this inhibits the ability for the prefrontal cortex to develop in the way that it should. The good news is that when we can engage in some short, frequent practices, we stimulate that prefrontal cortex. That calms the stress response and makes the smart part of our brain stronger, more efficient, and easier to use. That that stress part that's kind of in the back of the brain, that's the amygdala, right? That's what everyone, exactly. that's what those kids, that's what I love about the video. Like, I can't, it seems like you were sitting or somebody was sitting with a bunch of five-year-olds and this kid says, well, yeah, my mom's amygdala. And he starts explaining which part of the brain is going off. I mean, that's a pretty oh, yeah. healthy conversation. Absolutely, and it's really empowering for kids because a lot of times they they feel stress, but they don't know how to process it or understand it. They're not sure why their body is in the state that it is. They're not sure why they're behaving exactly how they are. And when they can start to uh, recognize some of those triggers and they have an explanation for what's happening inside the brain and how and strategies for how to calm that, it's incredibly empowering and they really grasp onto it. And then I guess versus as a parent, if, if my child's stressor amygdala brain goes off and then I get contagiously taken over by it and then mine goes off, we're just reacting to each other all day long or to the next alarm or to the next appointment instead of getting in that prefrontal cortex and growing that. And it's a downward spiral. That stress is definitely contagious. Hmm. And there's actually a physiological reason why stress is contagious. In our brain, we have what are called mirror neurons. Yep. And these neurons fire in response to the emotions we witness around us. So if mom's worry neurons are firing, the area of her toddler's brain that registers worry is firing as well. And that's why it's so critical for parents to start with their own stress management and then learn ways to share those management tools with their children. That's so. Compared to kind of the old school where it was just like, ah, kids aren't supposed to be seen. Just put them away in their room. Let them stress there. So instead of just avoiding it, you're saying we now need to we need to get into our kid enough to help him learn the coping skills and and actually try to create, I guess, a more contagious, mindful space. Yeah. And, you know, starting with your own reactivity. So is if can you react, react to a, a stressful situation? Can you model some um, some stress management skills like breath awareness or healthy ways to manage your stress. Your kids are going to pick up on that. Love it. Okay, so that's what we're talking about, folks. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Kristen Race 
author of the book Mindful Parenting, Simple and Powerful Solutions for Raising Creative, Engaged, Happy Kids in Today's Hectic World. We're going to come back and start getting into some of those skills, the tools, the things we should be modeling for our children to give them a, hopefully a leg up uh, on this emotional, stressful life we're all living. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Uh, we're right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about how to overcome maybe what we might frame as your natural man, kind of the natural way you're you're wired to work. You have part of your brain that's there to make sure you don't get killed, you're not eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. It creates the fight-or-flight response, but you have another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, that uh, smart brain And our guest today is teaching us that if we don't just get out of the fight-or-flight brain and eventually get up to that higher brain, that smarter brain, we might be setting ourselves up to be a bunch of stress cases. And uh, stressed parents beget stressed children, and stressed children beget stressed parents. It's a very contagious thing. Dr. Kristen uh, Race is joining us, and she's a Ph.D., parent of two children, but an expert in child, family, and school psychology. And she's a blogger on psychology today. She's the author of the book Mindful Parenting, um, Simple and Powerful Solutions for Raising Creative, Engaged, Happy Kids in Today's Hectic World. Go to her website, mindfultoday.com. You can get access to videos to watch, tons of tools. This might be something you'd even want to bring up uh, in your school and, and have your your teachers learn some of the skills that she teaches as well. So again, Kristen, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Love having the subject because, I mean, I feel it every day. I react. My kids have a bad morning when we were clipping his toenails today. And uh, and then it turned into kind of everyone was a little frustrated, stressing yeah. all around. That's right. That can happen very easily. You'd think just one toenail can ruin a day. It shouldn't be that, that powerful. In my house before. So. Have you seen that? My problem is my kid's eighteen, and um, <laughs> no, he was only ten uh, or nine. Hey, so so you've talked a little bit about the two brains we're kind of working from. Um, yes. But the deal is, I, I kind of, I mean, that fight flight brain, that amygdala brain you were talking about. It's it's a very base brain, isn't it? It's it's pretty much, it's only looking for self protection, and maybe mating. Right. It was designed, it was the reason that we were able to survive because it was on high alert when it needed to be. And the problem now is that our brain hasn't quite kept up with evolution. And so we are still have a very negative bias. Hmm. And the amygdala has a hard time distinguishing between real life-threatening situations that you're being chased by a cyber, a saber-toothed tiger, cyber-toothed yeah, tiger, or a cyber-toothed or tiger today. that you're stuck in a traffic jam, or that your computer is frozen and you need to print out an important document. The brain reacts the same way, whether the situation is life-threatening or not. Hmm. And that's where we see some real problems when it comes to health, attention, um, all kinds of things. Well, and especially... If we're if we don't work on it, 
I mean, I think what we think is, hey, my brain's exactly what it should be. But the reality right. is, if you just go fight or flight, you're going to end up fighting or flighting every relationship. You're going to end up fighting or flighting from every opportunity. And if you're not careful, you'll just be anxious, depressed, and alone. <laughs> Exactly. And when we operate at that stress level for a long time, that's exactly what happens. We can't pay attention. We feel scattered. We feel overwhelmed. We get depressed. Hmm. And so we need to counter all of these things that are in our society that we really can't control that are going to be putting us in that state of fight or flight with some practices that stimulate the prefrontal cortex so that we can use it more efficiently. Whatever part of your brain is being used, is the, is, it's going to become stronger. It's the same as your body. Just as you would do you know, bicep curls to strengthen your upper arms, you can do simple mindfulness exercises to strengthen the smart part of your brain. Holy cow. I mean, again, this is meditation. This is prayer, something kind of the, the yeah. old historic ones. But sometimes it just maybe it's just simply having them notice it, huh? Just notice what you're feeling instead yes, of just exactly. going with it. We can practice formally and informally. So formal practices would be like you mentioned. It could be meditation. It could be a body scan. It could be prayer. All of those things, especially when used on a daily basis, are going to strengthen that smart part of your brain. But the other piece of it is bringing this moment-to-moment awareness into your day-to-day life. And there's some simple ways to do that. You can think about things on your commute, say, instead of being on the phone the entire time, um, you know, maybe looking out the window and looking for something that you've never noticed on that daily mm. commute before. Yeah. That, that's going to bring your awareness to the present moment. I guess, is that, is that an informal way? Yeah, that would be an informal way. Another informal way is something as simple as when your phone rings, take, do, take two deep breaths before you answer it. That's another informal way to kind of ground yourself, calm that stress response a little bit, and the phone is just a reminder to do that. Versus my heart races, I immediately, like, get angry. Like It's funny because <laughs> when my phone rings, immediately, right. I don't even have curiosity. It's immediately like, ah, man, right? and oh, hi, mom. And hi. it does, it triggers that response in a lot of people. So oh, just sad. taking a few deep breaths and then answering the phone can make a huge difference in your life. Oh, we are messed up, Kristen. <laughs> no, we're not. It's easy to fix. Okay. Uh, give us some more. What are some more things we could be doing um, th- that would get us either formal or informal? I, like, what's a brain or a body scan? I, I've had a brain scan. What's a body scan? So a body scan is simply bringing progressive awareness to different parts of your body. And generally people will start either with their feet or with their head and bring your awareness to your toes. And yeah. then, and so you just think about your toes for a minute and then your ankles, your calves, your knees, and you can work your way up your body. And it's incredibly relaxing. Oh. And it's, it's all about that focused awareness on the present moment. And these are skills that you're teaching the kids. Absolutely. Uh, another a great one to share with your kids is something I call the three-breath hug. So this is if your child feels overwhelmed or stressed or you're having a morning like it sounded like you were having mm-hmm. this morning. Toenail day. Toenail clipping yeah, day. Yeah, toenail day. 
offer them a three-breath hug, and you simply embrace and you take three deep breaths together. And this is a great way to model how to use your breathing to manage stress, and it feels as good and is as calming for you as it is for them. I guess, and the breathing works uh, because when you are stressed, you probably aren't taking as deep of breaths. Exactly. When we're stressed, we breathe in the top quarter of our lungs. So when we can slow down and bring awareness to our breathing, it slows our heart rate, increases circulation, it helps us sleep better, it can alleviate chronic pain, it increases focus and performance, the list goes on and on. We even have brain scans that show when people learn to meditate formally, we see a shift in activity in the prefrontal cortex from the right hemisphere to the left. Huh. And the left hemisphere is what processes more positive emotions. Really? So we become happier. So so the three-breath hug, I guess we're only suggesting that we should probably just do this with kids, family. But, I, you know, as a boss, <laughs> I probably ought not do that with my team. With your team? Yeah, like so when they come in and like, oh, I'm so stressed. I'm like, get over here. Three-breath hug. It depends on the team, actually. Yeah, and true. it's the kind of thing that if you – when you start when kids are younger, then – you, you might just do it automatically if you have a hugging team and without even saying it. You're not calling yeah. it a three-breath hug yeah. anymore, but, but you both know what you're doing. There are many strategies that you can bring to teens as well, and teens need it. They are, teens are so stressed and have they so are. much coming at them. So any tools we can provide them, they're often very receptive to mindfulness, to yoga, um, Try to look for things that are soothing for them. Uh, maybe something like they love hot showers that yeah. relaxes them. I know my kid and can just, take an hour long shower. Yeah, well, maybe, but just be more intentional about bringing those in those things into their life. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, really, it's it's that. It's if you listen, it's so simple. It's a it's a it's breathing. I mean, you're not asking, you're not reinventing the world. You're just like breathe deeper. No. I'm not. I am not. That's and cool. it's certainly there. It is simple. It's not easy. No, no, we're, right. You know, just like exercise, we're going to experience greater benefits the more formally we practice it, the more it becomes part of our daily routine, uh, the more frequent we are with our practice and consistent. We're going to experience more benefits. But I am a big believer that very small changes can make a huge difference for parents and for kids. Totally agree. Let's take a break. We're coming back again with Kristen Race after this break. She's going to teach us, keep teaching us, more tools to be mindful, how really to connect our brain and this mindfulness, being present. Heaven forbid we actually are present. And uh, we might even be present for some great, awesome, positive emotions, not just negative emotions. uh, Back again with Dr. Uh, Kristen Race, the author of the book, Mindful Parenting. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Today, I am the three-breath coach. 
We're uh, today we're talking about mindfulness and the power of controlling your emotions. So instead, as a parent, instead of just letting the emotions run, take over the entire house, which might not be bad if it's good, positive, healthy emotions, but it's the negative emotions we want to learn to curb. And so today on the show, we're talking about mindfulness. And before we bring on our guest, I wanted to bring um, Mike Pond back in. Mike, uh, and we'll have our guest define mindful. But it seems like mindfulness would mean that if you brought donuts into the studio where I am sitting. I, I did not bring them. I found them here. They're not mine. Technical point. But if donuts were had and brought into the room where I'm sitting. There was only one donut, not two. And that one donut was given to James. No, I split it with him. What, what about us? Merit, uh, Merit's the one that brought this up because she's like, that is so not mindful. Like, where was his mind? Well, Matt, think about it. If you cut a donut into four pieces, you can't even taste it. It's not even a donut it's anymore. It's an appetizer. It? It's an appetizer. It's just air, you know? Yeah. I, well, I was saving you. I'm going to ask Kristen if that was mindful because it seems like to me if you had been present in your space, in the space with fellow humans— who love saturated fat, you would have wanted Maybe I would have wanted to if I had a better nickname. Okay, well, how about the non-mindful one? How about that? How about we just stick with the TNR? TNR? TNR. That's good. Well, I'm going to ask her because she's going to just, she's, I'm going to have her define what mindful is and I'm going to see if it involves donut sharing. Yeah, I need, we need a third party in on this. Okay. Well, let's ask her. Uh, our guest today is the uh, author of the book Mindful Parenting, Simple and Powerful Solutions for Raising Creative, Engaged, Happy Kids in Today's Hectic World. Her name is Kristen Race, Ph.D. She's a parent of two young children, expert in child and family and school psychology, regular blogger with Psychology Today, and a national speaker. If you go to her website, mindfullifetoday.com, it's just it's it's just a simple, perfect website that gets you all of the tools and videos, stuff you can watch, uh, including her TED Talk, um, which was a, a very good uh, example of what she's teaching us today. She's also the founder of Mindful Life, which provides brain-based solutions for today's families. Our kids in this 21st century need more tools than, uh, you know, what maybe got us through, you know, the last century. We probably need to start taking control of our emotions and understanding some tools so that when we go to the Super Bowl, we don't pull a Richard Sherman and get in trouble. You know, you know, sure, it's paying off for him and everything, but still, he can't talk his way out of it. So we're back uh, with Kristen Race. Dr. Race, thanks for joining us again. My pleasure. Okay. Answer it's the so question. It's funny that you mentioned Sherman because I my immediate thought upon watching that was he is not using his prefrontal <laughs> cortex. That was the fight or flight, wasn't it? That was full fight or flight. But a few minutes later, yeah. in his further interview, yep. clearly the he had calmed down enough for his prefrontal cortex to kick in to say, you're not really thinking about the consequences of your behaviors right here. I lo- that it is the perfect and and it makes sense that he was in the amygdala fight or flight brain because he was at war. He was trying to Completely. win the game, and then they Completely. then they stuck a microphone in his face and asked him the question that just removed all doubt which brain he was in. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Huge. You've got it. Hey, now help me with this one. Uh, okay. So Mike Pond, uh, one of our producers, maybe soon to be ex-producer, um, he had donuts and he brought them into the studio and um, was hoarding them. And then that's what I heard. He didn't share. And I'm saying that's not mindful. If he was mindful, he would have recognized my emotion. He would have sensed my salivation. And he would have given me a donut. Or he was being incredibly mindful in that he was concerned about your health and well-being. And that's why he didn't give you the donut. Yeah, no, that's not it. No, that was it. No, not even close. You're pretty good, Kristen, but not even close. Because, yeah, because he he looked at me. Nobody knows this, but he looked at me, and I'm like, can I have one? And he's like, shut up. I don't know well, that he I said that, but right. I, I think that's what he, those were the words he uttered. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. No, he's not picking up on the nonverbal, but he's new here, so he'll get it. He'll get it because we'll, we just beat him up on the air, and we don't give him a chance to talk. It all works out. So help us, Kristen. Um, mindful. Give us, give all the listeners out there, what's the definition of mindful? Okay. I define mindfulness as paying attention to the present moment with kindness. Oh, that was it. And no donut. When we practice mindfulness, we feel calmer, we become more focused and efficient, and we're more engaged with the people around us at home, at work, and at school. Hmm. I love that. With ki- so it's not just being present in the present moment. It's being present and paying attention to the present moment, but with kindness. Exactly. So kindness towards the situation, kindness towards yourself. It's being able to take in a situation and not cast a judgment upon it. Hmm. Um, so not necessarily, and it doesn't mean that something is not good or bad, but it's not getting caught up in the fact of whether it's right, wrong, good, bad, nice, not nice. Uh, a lot of times we, pre- we get really judgmental, particularly on ourselves. So something bad happens, and instead of being able to accept that and, and move on, we, something bad happens, and then we beat ourselves up about it. Well, if I hadn't done this, or I hadn't done that, and I'm so stupid, or why did, you know, we, or we get into the blame game. Yeah. And all of those secondary things are what increase our stress levels. So when we can be more present without judgment, we're able to stay with the situation, move past it more quickly and more efficiently. Especially, I guess, if the judgment, if the judgment were coming from your high brain, it, or your, you call it your healthy, uh, your prefrontal cortex, the PF. Yeah. Yeah. Smart brain. It would probably be good feedback. The problem is it's not. It's coming almost from the emotion and the energy of the fight or flight, isn't it? Yeah, typically, exactly. Typically, it is. So it's, it's skewed. It's no matter what, it's skewed with all that energy, and then it's almost like you need to make up a story. Like I'm an idiot. I'm bad. No one loves me. I'm never going to have friends again for bringing a donut to the guy that right. has the name on the show. We do. We tell ourselves stories. We make up stories about other people inside our head, and it makes everything worse for yeah. ourselves, for our minds, and for our bodies. And that's the stressor, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Huge. That's where real it's stress is normal. Stuff's going to happen. 
It's how we react to it and whether we create this domino effect, that's what gets us into real trouble. I love it. And and it's it really is just it's skills, it's tools, it's practice, whether formal as you've categorized it or informal, whether it's a formal kind of get used to meditating, get used to finding. If I, it's amazing. I actually um without even knowing it was teaching it to a, a boy that came in today whose parents are divorcing and he's just mad. He's just mm-hmm. ticked. And we just showed him today that there's a choice point that if he can recognize when he's mad, he has a choice. He can fight and create drama, or he can flight and just avoid everyone and, and ignore everyone, which, by the way, was what his parents did that caused the divorce. <laughs> one of them was a fighter and one was a flighter. Or he can go find peace, and we just showed him some ways that he could actually connect to his highest values and have peace. And he right. was, like, blown away, like, I can do that? I'm like, you can do it 50 times a day. And even if you blow it, just notice it and get back to it. And that's okay. And yeah. That's the with kindness part. I love that. Yeah. And for somebody like in that situation, feeling stuck in that negativity, an incredibly pr- powerful practice is gratitude. And we know, you know, for adults who practice gratitude are 25% happier, they're healthier, they're kinder to others. And But it's really amazing for kids who formally practice gratitude, get higher grades, they're more socially integrated. They show fewer signs of depression. So it's a very simple but incredibly profound practice. And that could be something as easily, I guess, as a parent gathering around with your kids at the end of the day and just talking about what we're grateful for. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You can make it part of the nightly routine, um, saying three things you're grateful for. Uh, you can have gratitude journals where you write down three to five things you're grateful for. In my family, we have a gratitude jar uh, on our dinner table. It's an old pickle jar that the kids decorated, and we keep old scratch paper on the table. And whenever you want, people write down things they're grateful for. And about once a week, we pull out what's been written in the jar during Hmm. dinner. We just go around the table and pull things out. And that's a really great way to engage around the table, and it's a, it's a fun one for younger kids. So there's lots of very simple ways to practice. And really what you're practicing, it sounds like, is you're not just practicing good feeling kumbaya. You're, what you're technically doing, according to the brain science, though, I guess is getting people up into the front prefrontal cortex of their brain, getting them into their higher reasoning brain. Exactly. And it's what they're having to pay attention to when they're writing those things down. Uh, We get, you know, we have this negative bias. And so our brain becomes conditioned to think negative, negative, negative. And so when we intentionally focus on the positive things in our life, and they don't have to be grand, wonderful experiences. They can be very simple things like the sun was shining today. Uh, We're rewiring our brains for a more positive focus. Hmm. It's interesting. It's we, we have forever taught you need to be grateful. I mean, it's in the Bible, for crying out loud. And right. yet, really what it is, now we're learning the brain science behind it, but it, it, it we are rewiring. If we can get people to focus on it, they are rewiring. Exactly. Exactly. It's a very simple practice, and it's just re, what our brain pays attention to is what shapes our brain. I talk to kids about seeds of peace and happiness, or seeds of discontent. And if we are constantly paying attention to the seeds of discontent, 
those are the seeds that are going to grow and flourish in our mind. But if we take the time to pay attention to our seeds of peace and our seeds of happiness, then those are the seeds that grow and take over our mind. So we compare it to, you know, it's this garden-type metaphor. It's yeah. which, which seeds do you want to grow? That's great. That's so great. And it's funny because most of us don't want to grow re- grow weeds, right? But they kind of no. grow without us. And so, and so, so do these faster, negative things, right? huh? Yeah. That's the negative bias. They grow easily. They go quicker. They grow faster. So we have to be very intentional about cultivating a, a garden of flowers or fruits and vegetables. It takes work. It takes, we have to pay attention to them. We have to nurture them. And it's the same with our minds in terms of positive thoughts. What do you say to all these parents? I mean, not only life is just more stressful, more single parents, more parents that have to work. Um, what do you say to the parent that's out there? Oh, great. Now I'm an idiot. I'm a bad parent. I'm blowing up my kid's brain. Um, what, what do you say to them? That So, I mean, this isn't right. about overwhelm. Don't be overwhelmed. This doesn't have to be big. Exactly. And, and the last thing that we want is to increase parent stress level. Right. So it's really about simplifying our lives, simplifying our schedules, focusing on what's most important in the moment. We waste a lot of time and energy rehashing the past, rehearsing for the future. The key is to start by managing your own stress. Start with yourself and then see what small steps you can take to slow down, model mindfulness, and engage as a family. And then sit in and put your hands in and keep your hands in the ride at all times and enjoy the ride. Exactly. Enjoy the ride. Isn't it funny that we... quickly. It's almost like that's the answer with so many of the parenting issues, like, oh, children. But they're great. It's just, it's the stress when we... But like you're saying, it's, it's when we're stressed, we have to be modeling at first. We have to notice, oh, look, I'm feeling stress. Right. Do something with it. Exactly. And, and think about what you're doing. Are you running to the liquor cabinet when you feel the stress or are you taking some breaths or going for a jog? Because whatever you're doing is what your kids are going to be doing. Well, I wanted a donut. <laughs> you but, might be running for the donut. Yeah, I was going for the saturated fat, but you know, but that whatever. Could be out of celebration. That was it. It's not necessarily due to mm-hmm. stress. Well, the neat thing was uh, they just didn't bring me one. Which was rude. Um, if I, I was there, I would bring you a donut. Kristen, you're my favorite. You're my favorite guest because I, I love this. And I, the irony of all ironies, last night I actually sat down with my son and started teaching him about the amygdala. So, mm-hmm. and, and literally started doing this uh, on a free ebook I had um, called, um, oh boy, Playing with Anxiety. Have you read that? Mm-hmm. And it's just a, I have not read that one. But it's it's a it's there's a great website out there and anyway, it works. And we had a great conversation and um and we'll have more of it tonight. And so some of this is just just include it in your regular day-to-day life, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Refer to what's happening. Kids get it. Um they they pick up on it early. Love it. I'm going to um everybody go get the book. Mindful Parenting. Simple and Powerful Solutions for Raising Creative, Engaged, Happy Kids in Today's Hectic World by Dr. Kristen Race. Uh, Kristen, thanks again. We're going to have you back. My pleasure. I'd love to come back. And uh, we'll get you donuts. Okay. (laughs) 
We'll talk soon. That's right. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, take care. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to, again, continue the discussion. We're going to get into uh, how you can actually boost your creativity with a little mindfulness. We're also going to send Mike out on a journey, see if he can't find us a donut. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Hey, welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been talking about mindfulness... And uh, mindfulness is when you're actually present in the moment, heaven forbid, and you're paying attention to the present moment with kindness toward yourself, toward the situation. You're no, you have no need to cast a judgment on it. You're just present. And uh, we were just talking with Dr. Kristen Pace about the power of that. Our own Merit Meekum, uh, the queen of mindfulness, when, when, uh, um, when Kristen was talking about the three-breath hug, Merit said, hey, maybe what we ought to start doing is having a group hug. Uh, before we start every show, um, group hug, and and that would bring more mindfulness and probably creativity. And then the three guys here kind of looked at each other, and we said, "Ah, we're good." <laughs> I love it when you put when you Words quote me. Mouth. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that was a good quote. I, I wasn't going to say that. You you said that. You weren't going to say it on the air. No, I okay. said, I yeah yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll continue. Anywho, so uh, apparently mindfulness makes us more creative. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting thing. Lots of people think that mindfulness is so limited to living in the moment yeah. that you can't ever let your mind wander. Mm. But we also know from a lot of other scientific research that daydreaming is super good for you. I am a master daydreamer. Me too. I'm quite skilled at it. And so it's healthy. Yeah. So it is healthy. But mindfulness doesn't specifically mean only paying attention to yeah. whatever's going on right. right now. Sometimes it's just living in your own head. I mean, that yeah, can, you're be, in can it. be present right. while you're doing it. So that's mind wandering yeah. is okay when you're mindful. Like you okay. can let your you mind can wander. let it go because it yeah. actually might it might prompt you into other thoughts that are healthy mm-hmm. and important. And not only that, but if you're just by not daydreaming, so just by the absence of letting your mind wander, that doesn't make you mindful. Right. So just because you're not daydreaming doesn't make you a mindful person. Well, you literally might just be brain dead. Yeah. Like thinking of nothing. <laughs> thinking of nothing. No. So with that in mind, go ahead and daydream. It's part of being mindful. Sure. And in a lots of different ways, including daydreaming, mindfulness can really boost your creativity. It okay. can really lead you to some breakthroughs. Um, I was reading an article and they had some, this is what your brain does when you are being mindful it means when you meditate specifically, your normal consciousness starts to lose grip on your immediate awareness of the world. So by letting yourself just kind of sink into your own thoughts, into the peace that you have, then you aren't so distracted by everything that's happening around you, which is really key to creativity yeah. is to not no, get totally. distracted. Um, another thing is that your the more unconscious part of your brain, the more creative part of your brain starts to pick yeah. up its slack and yeah. work a little bit more too. Um and then lastly, you make literal space in your head for those new ideas by dismissing the thoughts that are bothering you, by letting that I stress go. That. You open up new space in your head to have new ideas and to have 
And you get rid yeah. of all of the assumptions of what has to be, what can't be, exactly. what must be. So you're then basically, you're yeah, you're basically ridding yourself of those and yeah. being able to see what your brain really is doing. Um, it can also provide lots of clarity. So you'll be able to think more clearly, which is a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Insight, too, is that you're able to kind of look back into how you think and why you thought that way. And so this is how can, you evaluate your thinking. Yeah. Definitely. And mindfulness can help you do that because That's if you're stressed cool. out, you're not going to be able to think very no. objectively about well, yeah, the way and, you and think. And you just think it has to be this way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, focus, like we mentioned, is a huge one. And then um, perspective is that it kind of – you're not so worried about the little things that are happening right then. I, um, And not only that, but you're keeping the creativity in mind. I have a writing teacher who suggested that I buy a tiny little notebook – and just carry it with me all the time because then I am always in the yeah. kind of mindful mode of letting Capture creativity, it. Capture yeah, it. yeah, letting creative, creative ideas come to me all the time. Um, I love that. Yeah. So I have a few exercises. I do, that. do you notice my do. notebook right there? I know you do have a notebook. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well. So some things you can do to help you practice mindfulness with your creativity, um, this is just an exercise. So write down a challenge you're having. This could be a challenge in your life or it could just be a challenge you're having creatively or mm-hmm. with any sort of problem. Um, and just kind of write that down somewhere and you need a, and just keep in mind that you need a creative solution for that. And then when you're ever you're going to go practice mindfulness for that day, whether that's meditation, whether that's just jogging and keeping your thoughts really in control yeah. or whether you're just going to sit down and breathe or listen to music – Keep that in mind and then just write down whatever solutions pop into your head while you're doing that because often I love that. Yeah, it'll be better. So I had John Covey, Stephen Covey's brother, taught me every night when he goes to bed, he takes the creative thought that he the thing he needs the help on uh-huh. and in a prayer, he'll kind of offer a prayer like, Help me with this, and then he goes to bed, puts the subconscious to sleep, and then when he wakes up in the morning, he immediately takes a notice of his thoughts and writes down his thoughts. Awesome. And he feels like it brings him his answers. Yeah. Mm. There you go. That's great. So you don't even need a three-breath hug. No. You could just go to bed. Hey, hey, hey. there you go. You could have an eight-hour. I'm all for that. You could have an eight-hour nap. Uh, Good stuff and creative. Okay, will you pass that around to everybody because I want everyone on the team to be more creative. Okay. And I also want – I just want one of them to be more thoughtful. Yeah. Just one person. I'm not going to name that. names, but it, yeah. his name rhymes with ond. <laughs> Starts with P. Starts with P. Okay. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking with Jennifer Armitstead, uh, who is a, a professional coach and helps people figure out their careers, find their careers, and uh, maybe we can figure out how to be more mindful in our own uh, you know, pursuit of a job. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. back everybody did you just hear those lasers fire james good job on the lasers that was pretty intense this is the matt townsend show hey today we're talking about mindfulness 
and uh, we've talked about mindful parenting. We've talked about how when you're present and uh, engaged in your brain, you can you become a lot more creative. So then we thought, okay, who is the most engaged, mindful, creative human being on the face of the earth? And we found Jennifer Armitstead. Who else but our favorite coach? Uh, Jennifer has coached thousands of people to take their career to the next level. She's known for her unique ability to help people determine their personal brand and career direction. She consults with companies on employee engagement, which, by the way, not so good. And people aren't engaged. They say about 70% of employees are not engaged. They're not they don't have their heart and mind engaged in their job. It's costing us billions of dollars, and uh, that's one of the things she consults companies on. Also, she's a career thought leader on Twitter at uh, Career Coach Jen, also a blog contributor to Forbes magazine. Go check out her website, movingforwardsolutions.com. Jennifer Armitstead, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hello, Matt. How are you, friend? How are you? Hey, now I saw um, on Facebook that you were traveling. I was traveling in Spain for two weeks. Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did uh, was there a? Uh, did you run the bowls? Is that what they do in Spain? <laughs> no, that's northern Spain. Okay. I was down in southern and central Spain. Okay, so you were just getting tan. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not <laughs> that. Summer. Not so much. Yeah, it's kind of cold. <laughs> hey, did you have fun? Absolutely. Now, were you working or were you just traveling? Yeah, yeah. No, I was. Um, every year, I try to take some time to unplug from the busyness of my office yes. and do a retreat. And so, speaking of mindfulness, that's exactly what I was doing really? around my business and stopping and spending some time thinking about 2013, the highs and the lows, and the lessons learned and thinking about what I want to create in 2014. So I can do that for myself. And the holidays is a good time for reflection, not only for me, but around my business. And uh, and then, of course, I had to play and do some sightseeing, too. (laughs) Well, you know, that's very, wow. I I feel like, I feel pathetic. (laughs) Why? Well, I mean, I went on a cruise and swam with stingrays. Well, that's way cool. But I never thought of my company. I never thought of last year. So that's the problem. So you're all mindful. That's why I get stuck. I just get stuck places. I'm, I'm thinking that perhaps you might have got zapped by a couple of stingrays, though. It might have helped you a little. You know what? I, I don't want to boast, but um, they liked me. They were <laughs> all over that. me. I think it's because the guy kept throwing them on me. Right, right. <laughs> um, it's tons of fun. So, Jen, you what I love about uh, you're not – you get people to think of themselves kind of as a um, a brand. You, oh, yeah. you, you're like, you don't sit there and say, yeah, you got your job. You're saying, no, you yourself, you're a brand and you need to pitch yourself and see yourself as an actual like brand, like, you mm-hmm. know, soup, Campbell's. Right, right. And, and I guess that's why you had to go sit there and think through where do I want to be? What do I want people to feel about Jennifer Armitstead as you're working through your own brand issues, your own brand questions? Mm-hmm. Sure, right. That's cool. Absolutely. Got to practice what I preach. Yeah. And it works. Look where you are. You're on the Matt Townsend Show. Look what that got <laughs> done you. And done. Yeah. My whole year, I'm good. <laughs> you're s- you know what? Please reach higher. Okay. Reach <laughs> higher than the show. There's so much more than the 30 people we deliver you. 
good. Hey, yeah, um, I do this just so I can connect with you, Matt. You're so much I know. fun, you know. But I want to know when do I get the laser beams on my part of the show? Well, that was your part of the show. Oh, the intro. Okay. Nobody else got that. No one. Nope. Awesome. Only you. Off to a great start. Yeah, it's because we care. Um, so fill me in mindfulness. I know too that you, you know, you're you're a consultant, so that you know you got to be real technical. But there's a huge space to get your that that helps when you get your heart in place, right? Uh, that's so that's maybe more important than even how you look or you know, what you do. Sometimes just having your heart in the right place may be your best sales feature. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Because really, if you're not clear on who you are and how you want to be um, perceived by people, then then you don't even know what clothes should you buy or what hair do should you have or what color looks great on you, or how you should communicate about yourself on Twitter. And so, so many of those little nuances of things that people will ask me, and they'll say, oh, well, what should I say about myself when I go to this interview, or I'm struggling with my boss, you know, what should I communicate to them about what I want to do? But if you first don't have clarity for yourself on where you want to go with your life and your career... And it's really hard to execute on everything else. So that's why I always tell people you got to get that brand nailed down first before you can work on anything else. And, and, it, and if you don't, then it doesn't matter what you do. Right, absolutely. Because it's all, discon- it's all discombobulated and really disjointed. Isn't that, you know, it seems like a no-brainer, but um, we, we're moving in a world, it seems, with the 21st century where I don't need a company I mean, it's almost like companies are willing to start seeing everybody as just individual contributors, even, uh, you know, independent consultants almost. And they understand that everyone has something to bring. And it, it used to be you you either could get the job or you couldn't. And then if you could, you just hang on to it because you, you don't have anything else going for you. Uh-huh. But nowadays, uh-huh. you really have to be more dynamic. You You could even bring your own. You could be a blogger like you. And have five other things going on and still have a career in the media or, or whatever. I mean, there's no end to what the options and the possibilities are today. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I was just speaking with a gentleman the other day who's worried about all the different things that he's doing, that he's not portraying one image about himself. He's not putting one thing out there again and again that people can tie back to. And I said, I don't want you to worry about that too much because... This isn't like our grandparents' time where you were the town baker or you were the, the town butcher or something like that. You had your one thing. I said, we are allowed to be dynamic individuals now. It's expected, in fact. If you are too unilateral and too specific in one thing, then, then it's not as fun and as exciting because we all have so many different elements about us. Yeah. When you think about it, our vacations, our families, our friends, our hobbies, work and all the different things that go on with work, and if you're doing anything with church or um, if you're serving any kind of capacity in local government, those are all totally, vastly very different things. But what I talk about when it comes to really who you are and, and the mindfulness, to use the, the word for your show, is that it's so important that you stop and you think, how do I want people to perceive me in all of those situations? What is it that I want to be known for in all of those situations? Because if you're trying to show up different when you're serving on city council than how you show up as a parent, it is way exhausting. It's too exhausting right. to be totally different people in different scenarios. And then you're just thinking, 
get your mind, take that moment of mindfulness and wrap it around that question. What do you want to be known for in the end? What are some other questions we should be asking when it comes to career, when it comes to even, I mean, even degrees or education, it's it's such an interesting time because just having the education today doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. Oh, that's so true. But then you can go get in major debt trying to get the education. Mm-hmm. So what what are some more questions that we should wrap our minds around and, and try to get some strong answers? Well, the always definitely, like the Franklin Covey's, or excuse me, Stephen R. Covey's book, Seven Habits, yeah. start with the end in mind. So when you get to the end of your life, what do you want to be known for? So if you know where you're going, then you can back it up today to today and say, okay, that's where I want to go. So you certainly ask yourself that. The other thing, too, is um, asking yourself, how do I want people to perceive me in all of my different situations? So you can stop, and one thing I like to do is draw a circle on a piece of paper and then put a smaller circle in it so it kind of looks like a donut. Yeah. Oh, don't bring up donuts. Do not bring up donuts. Sorry. Jennifer. (laughs) Did you not listen to the—oh, you were busy. Donut, Don't Sorry. use the word donut. They they had donuts today and nobody brought me one. So oh. I'm sitting here working and then I'm not I'm not gonna mention names, but Mike Pond walks in with a donut and he brought it to James. And walked right by me. I need I, I need donuts. I'm a person. I'm a sure. human. Anyway, you brought it up. Thanks. Yes, sorry. sorry. Um, anyhow, but in the middle, if you write that thing that you want to be known for, and then around it, you want to write all the different roles that you have, and so you want to think of it. Here, let me use another analogy. Think of it as a hub and a wheel. And there you go. Spokes going yeah, out. That feels so good. So each of the spokes you want to write down. So you want to write down father. You want to write down husband. Um, maybe church member, um, radio show host, mm-hmm. uh, Stingray, Twitter, swimmer. whatever, like all those different things, all the different things about you, Matt. And then you want to think about, okay, well, how do I want that brand to show up for each of those? And so well, how do I want people to perceive me? And then what am I going to do to work toward that end? And that exercise, you can really do that in an hour. Yeah. And it will give you so much more insight about, wow, am I really executing on what I want people to perceive me as? And if you're not, then that's great. You Tomorrow's a new day, and you can make a choice. How do I want to conduct myself so that I can continue to build that? I love that. And, and what happens, it seems like, we get so caught up in having it written. Like with Franklin Covey, when I worked there, we'd go help individuals, companies write mission statements. And we always thought the mission statement was the key, right? Having the statement. But um, in a way, I guess with this idea of mindfulness, what really matters is is not just the statement being written, it's the mere fact that we're mindful and connected to it. Mm-hmm. And when right. when so it's almost the energy you take to be present in these questions that just that alone is valuable that you've gone there in your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's the answers really that come up, that's just it's almost additive. That's just gravy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's cool. But when you see it written down in front of you, it does something for your mind. It does. It, it's not only you're hearing it and you're thinking about it, but in writing it out, it's, it makes a difference because those words are going to pop out at you. And for some people, they go through this exercise and they think, oh, boy, I am way off center from where I want to be. Yeah. But that's okay because now you know where you're at. It's like I tell people, hey, if you're in Salt Lake City and you want to get to New York, 
great. You know your starting point, you know your ending point. Now you can choose whatever way you want to get there. If you want to walk, ride a bike, drive a car, take a plane, a train, whatever it is. But at least you know where you're at. That's so I, huge. I think it's so important for mindfulness to know, start with where you're at and don't beat yourself up. But at least you'll know where you are right now. It's, uh, it's very real. Today I pulled out, um, I write affirmations that I say regularly. I just look through and read regularly, except for when I lose them, then I forget about them for about four months, then I find them again, then I then I get back in my, my goal. Ironically, I found uh, some, some, um, at, some affirmations that I had put together years ago, and as I look at them, um, only half of them really matter to me anymore. Mm. It's interesting, like... Because I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to build it all on that. And then all of a sudden, life throws you a curve. But what I find is deeper than just the even the statement was more of the purpose. Like kind of the deeper principle still uh-huh. still is in play, even though the way I thought it would manifest is changed. Make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you've evolved and you've had new experiences. And so... It's like the tapestry of life, right? We keep we keep weaving all these threads and things in, and all of a sudden, the picture is going to look a little bit different than it did five years ago. Yeah, and I guess that's you know that's fine. Just absolutely. So go go. We want to keep evolving. <laughs> well, supposedly, some are like you know no some some are like no I'm not going to bring a donut. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's great. I think they'll bring you two donuts tomorrow to make up for Well, we'll it, see, probably. I guess. I mean, we'll see. That's yeah. what's great about radio is we'll be here. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if they bring a donut. They may not. Resolutions, Matt. Come on. That's really what's going on. You know, I can't be more passive aggressive than I'm being right now. <laughs> and yet he's talking. He's not even listening. And so anyway, it's it's hard. You know what? And Jen, you could help me because you are a career expert and we had to shift our whole team because all my, you know, all my old veterans have graduated. They've oh, all moved on. Right. Okay. So we started a new team. I lost Skyboy. I lost Bryce Tobin. And so now we have a new team. James is here. James is rocking it. He's great. He doesn't wear his headset right, but he's great. And, um, and then there's, there's the Pondinator. His favorite, guess, favorite show, Toddlers and Tiaras. Oh, I know. perfect for you then. Creepy. But again, um, he's the one that didn't bring the donut in. So I'm breaking him in. And I'm thinking I'm going to have you as the career coach come in and sit down with them and career coach them. Uh-huh. Yeah, are you available? I can do that. I can help them. Absolutely. Is there a fee? Of course. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to take it in donuts. I'm sorry. It's not my thing. What if we just give you airtime? Okay. You can okay. do that. Jen, you're the best. Any... um. Any last advice? So when you sit there and you think of somebody, I mean, you you take people on and you're really helping them scope their life, their dreams, their career. What what else do we need to know? What what would you say is the one thing that makes the biggest difference in creating in being mindful in our life and our in our career? Um, I think the number one thing is creating time to do it. And I believe people make themselves too busy with needless things. So, you know, getting rid of time, like, for example, eliminating how much time you spend on television or things that are really wasteful that are not helping you. I get that sometimes you just want to chill out and relax, but look at your day and see where can you create some time? Because if you don't create the time, it's not going to happen. That's right. 
You're not going to, I mean, if I gave you more time, you'd use, you'd waste it the same way you waste it now, right? So mm-hmm. right. you actually Absolutely. have to carve it out, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do. And then that, and the purposefulness of that will help you um, then when you set aside that time and you say, okay, every Tuesday night from 9 to 10 p.m., it's going to be my career hour and I'm going to sit down and really think and do my planning and do whatever it is you're going to do during that time because you have it set aside, you will um, you will fill that time appropriately. And then you know when you get to the end of the hour, you can look on the last look back and say, what did I actually accomplish? Okay, now next week I want to do this differently. Or, But then you can also manage expectations with your family members and say, okay, every Tuesday night from 9 to 10 is my career time. So don't bother me. Don't interrupt me unless the house is burning down. I'm going to be over in my bedroom with the door closed. You know, That's great. you're all good. You're fine. Yeah. And then they know what to expect. And then you can focus in and do what you need to do. And then you'll see progress. I mean, eventually there's going to be progress if you can keep that discipline up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But with anything, if you give it time and energy, it will make a difference. Just like exercise or not eating donuts, you know. Ooh, you brought it up again, didn't you? <laughs> Had to. <laughs> wow. And you brought up exercise with it. Thanks. Uh-huh. Sure. My hey, two weaknesses. Great. Anyway. We love you, Matt. We thanks, Jen. Be healthy. I will. You're the best. Again, everybody go check out uh, Jen's website, movingforwardsolutions.com. Also follow her on Twitter at Career Coach Jen. Jen, you're the best. Keep working hard. You too. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're coming right back. We're going to come back, give you 40 ways, 40 ways to quickly relieve stress. Now, we may not get to 40 but we'll at least get to 20. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. There's the Hee Haw Hoedown music. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Today, uh, we've been talking about mindfulness and our parenting, how it generates more creativity. As we wrap up the show, we want to give you 40 ways to quickly relieve stress. I'm going to try to relieve some stress for Michael uh, Lamar Pond. Um, Michael, uh, again, this just was your first day officially on the Matt Townsend Show. Right. Uh, the probation uh, is we're still in place. And uh, you did okay. I'm not offended about the donut thing. Hey, thanks, boss. I mean, you can always make it up tomorrow. Well, hold on one second. Oh, my gosh. Where's he going? Uh-oh. This is a lot of tension. Yeah. I better be a donut. For those out who are listening. What's he doing? Mike just walked out of the studio. Yeah, yeah. he's gone. And now he's back. Oh. <laughs> what is that? It's redemption. That's what it is. <laughs> Donuts! Where did you get these? At the donut store. No, really. Where did you get these? The, the donut <laughs> store. Not the dumpster. The well, donut store. Well, I know you didn't get them. I know you didn't leave because you sat there the whole time. No, I left and I went to the the BYU Creamery and you know the donut section. <sighs> it's aisles long. You know what? Okay, can I just say something, Mike? You're my favorite guy. Well, and I thought this and would you relieve stress. Radio. So one way of the forty <laughs> to quickly relieve stress: donuts. There's enough for everyone. Another one, just by Mike. Uh, go watch the show Toddlers and Tiaras. 
and do the whole blitz and watch all 40 episodes. So is the first step of the bringing other donut uh, bringing donuts do you have to backstab the person first by not giving them donuts and then bring donuts later? Well it would be better to not stress <laughs> them in the first place then there then you could just be a loving kind person. But if you do backstab them then you got to run to the donut store and bring donuts in order to de-stress the host. And for all of you you can always bring donuts. We can always bring donuts. I would say that this is a Matt Townsend show first. That's good. That somebody's brought donuts. That is. I mean, yeah. I mean, remember Sky? This is the difference between between Pond and so Sky. So true. Yeah. Instead pond, of sitting there complaining yeah. about the lack of pond food, there was some proactive. Yeah. That was powerful. After, well, yeah. after browbeating. I had to browbeat <laughs> for about four segments, then the donuts. And then, <laughs> so cool. new technique. Yeah, that's we great. Learned. See, so Pond, you are now the, my favorite producer. <laughs> Squeaky yes. wheel gets the grease. Uh, don't mention grease when I'm eating a donut. <laughs> and exercise. Uh, and, and don't mention exercise. Okay. So, Merritt, what are some more? We have 40 ways to quickly relieve stress. 40. What are some others? I have chosen some of my favorites. Donuts, number one. I'm going to go quick. Number okay. one, chocolate. About one ounce, just a square of chocolate, will mm. regulate your levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Yes. Hormone, and it will stabilize your metabolism. A lot of women are taking chocolate medicinally. Here's the clincher, though. It has to be 60% dark or more because it's the actual stuff in the cocoa bean that okay. makes chocolate good for you. So it has to be dark chocolate so that it has more cocoa bean. Let me just sugar. add something because I am a doctor. Or it could or, be a Snickers bar. Um, no. Or a Baby Ruth. No. Or a Twix. No. Chocolate okay. donut? Chocolate. Or a chocolate donut. I'll give you that one. Take um, more. Number two. Chocolate. Uh, mango also has a compound called linalool, which mm. is really fun to say, that helps lower stress levels. So if you are feeling stressed, go buy some mangoes. It's pretty cool. You could get like dehydrated mango and keep mm, it. And dip it yeah, in chocolate. there you go. Um, another one, chew gum. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, chewing, chewing, just the yeah. act of chewing will help yeah. you. It's same with crunchy foods, stuff like that. Just chomping down on something I reduces like that. some stress. Okay, I like gum. Um, another one? Count backwards. Just start at some point and start counting backwards. Mm. And by taking your mind away from whatever problem it is and thinking about something as silly as counting backwards. What if I'm stressed in traffic? Your stress. Then that might be a different one for you. I have one. Remember to breathe. Just start breathing. We've talked about breathing. And deep. We did talk about that. Three breath hug. Yeah. There you Maybe go. Maybe pull over. Ask someone to come <laughs> do a three breath hug. <laughs> Just knock on if the you're window. a truck driver and traffic's driving you crazy, pull over. Um, other one would be three to breath hug. close your eyes. Stop all simulation. Not while Just driving. Not while driving, again. Okay. Maybe if you're stuck in traffic. I like that. But Meditate. Yeah. Um, back to donuts. <laughs> back to donuts. Or here's another one that I thought was super interesting. To drip cold water on your wrists. What? Yeah. No, that's, that's weird. Stressful. You think it's weird? That's see, Chinese Mike. water torture. That's right. I mean, isn't that what they do? <laughs> no, this is what they say when you get super stressed, stressed out. Just go to the bathroom. Take... Just a tiny bit of cold water on your hands. Put it on your wrists and behind your earlobes. Those oh, are- that's I've seen people do that. Yeah. Like right before they're about to pass out. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what you're doing is you're cooling your entire body down because that's where you get a lot of blood flow, a lot of contact. So if okay. you cool down those parts, it'll make the rest Just of your so body you know, a little more. Because cool I've relaxed. poured cold water down someone's back. Totally yeah. opposite. That effect. is opposite. <laughs> <laughs> totally opposite. Uh, Here's another one that I thought funny, and I guess we'll end on this one, is to create a zen zone. Zen zone. Zen zone. So fun to say. Yeah. Um, just 
a place where you know you can go and get a Your happy moment. place. Yeah, just a happy place. And that could be anywhere in your office. You could just like go stand in the break room, like a certain corner, or you could just go stand in the bathroom and a zen zone. You know? Yeah. I need one zen in here. Zone. Yeah, we're going to have to find you one. A zen zone. Yep. Which, by the way, Richard Sherman didn't have a zen zone. He did not. He was have in a zen the zone. end zone. <laughs> but he needed a Zen zone. <laughs> Thank you, James. Don't overdo it. A good stuff. That was a good show. Thank you. It was a good show. And now we have donuts, so we better wrap it up. So we? Ho, 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 ho. Oh, oh, I see. How there happens to be this. one for each of us. <laughs> Thanks to the Tiaranator, Michael Pond. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You are. You're one of us. <laughs> Till tomorrow. It was like some sort of. Till tomorrow. We'll be back. Folks, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us. More tools, more ideas to give you a leg up in life, and hopefully a donut while we're at it. Have fun, everybody. Find your, uh, find your Zen zone. We'll be back tomorrow right here on BYU Radio.